0: The Hoop Collective is brought to you by Goodyear, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear, more driven. Baseball is back, and so are your favorite teams and players. Catch all of the best of the bigs all season long on ESPN Plus with over 170 live MLB games featuring every star and every team in the league. Sign up now at ESPNPlus.com slash baseball. Ready to play ball? The Baseball Tonight Podcast with Buster Olney gives you an insider's perspective Monday through Friday with the biggest name stories and analysis in the sport. Follow the Baseball Tonight Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, welcome to the Hoop Collective Podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Monday afternoon. You'll be hearing this tuesday when the two guys i've got on have a very interesting story coming up we're going to talk about but first let me introduce them joining us from naples florida is bobby marks front office insider how's it going bobby hello brian how are you good and joining us from the opposite side of the country diagonal across in seattle washington area is kevin the machine pelton hey pelton
1: Uh, Yeah, Bobby has chosen to be about as far as possible away from me within the contiguous United States.
2: You know what I call Naples, Florida? I call it the Witness Protection Program of the United (laughs) States. If you do not want to be found, you move to the southwest corner of Florida.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. So, Bobby, over the weekend – we have a drew holiday extension, which came in at a big number. Um, although maybe once you peel away the incentives, maybe not as big as, uh, as it initially appeared, it was uh, understood that considering everything that the bucks gave up to get holiday last, uh, winter, that it was likely that they were going to extend him and not let him hit the market. Um, this contract is interesting on several fronts. One, because it ties the bucks basically into this uh, core for a while, because between Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday, and Giannis, I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $530 million guaranteed with incentives that can push it past $550. That's an enormous number for three players. Um, but the other thing is uh, you know, what it means for the free agent uh, point guard market going forward. But first off, did this contract come in around where you thought it? Would? What was your reaction when you saw the numbers?
2: Yeah, I mean, this is what they call a blank check contract, right? It's basically write what number you want, and this is the maximum that Holiday could have gotten based off, you know, the hundred and twenty percent off his twenty five point one million dollars, and then he even got the the maximum allowed when it comes out to the uh, the bonus structures in his contract, and it's you know one 130, uh, thirty-five is. The guaranteed portion, five million, and likely, and then another twenty-five and million, twenty-five million, and unlikely. It's exactly the same contract that he is on right now. When it, when you're talking about bonuses, um, he's got games played, he's got minutes played, rebounds. There's a there's a ton in there that we don't need to go into. But this was the ultimate leverage play when you gave up dra- uh, on a bundle of draft picks to go get him. And you do not have cap space in the off season because of the honest Supermax and Middleton and Brooke Lopez. You have really no, um, really no options outside of retaining Drew Holiday, and it's it's um, it's it's a huge contract. You know, one hundred thirty five million dollars guaranteed. He's got a player option on the fourth year. It's actually there are four teams for next year that will have three players that have a hundred million dollars plus guaranteed in salary. Milwaukee. Golden State with Curry, Thompson, and Wiggins. Um, Brooklyn with Harden, Durant, and Kyrie. They have 121 million guaranteed between the three of them. And then um, then the fourth team is Philadelphia with uh, with Simmons, um, Tobias Harrison, and Bede at right at 100 million. So it is a huge, as you said, it's a huge financial commitment. But um, they knew what ha- when they made that trade back in November that this was basically the number that was going to have to to come in. And, and it's interesting, Kevin. It's like He had, you know, the COVID really impacted him, um, but he's played exceptionally well over the last, you know, few weeks here
1: and they've been really good when he's been on the court. I mean, that was their biggest stumble was that 5 and 5 stretch when he was out of the lineup. Their their record still isn't what it was the last couple of years and obviously not quite up there with Brooklyn and Philadelphia in the east, which is going to be very important over this last month plus because you know, you don't want to be the team that that doesn't ideally you want to be number 1 and only have to face one of those other two teams. And then next best, you want to be number two and have home court advantage if you meet the other one in the the conference semifinals. So you, you definitely don't want to be stuck in third where Milwaukee is right now. But, you know, I mean, Holiday on its face, this is someone who's not as accomplished, obviously, as Brooklyn's big three. And, you know, some of those other guys in that $100 million combined or multiple players with 30 plus million guaranteed for 2021-22. But in terms of his impact, he's always been right up there. He's had six seasons running where he's been in the top 25 of our real plus minus stat. And that's, I think, again, playing out with the impact we're seeing when he's healthy and on the court for the Bucs.
0: So when I look at contracts, I, I, this is a, something I've tried to do for a decade plus now. Because when you look at contracts, sometimes they look really expensive, and then three years later, you're like, "What a deal!" Um, so here's the way I look at it. And Bobby, you tell me if you think this is reasonable or not. I look at it as if you had to trade the con- if you had to trade the guy tomorrow, could you trade the guy? Because so often. Players, uh, you know, th- their value is based on that contract. You know, Andre Drummond is a good example. Andre Drummond is a player making twenty nine million, who is not that attractive to many teams. But at half of that price, or even you know three quarters of that price, that's a totally different conversation. At the minimum, which is what he got from the Lakers, you know, a whole bunch of teams wanted him. So you know, it, it's it's you know the, the contract matters. You know, um, but uh, so I so I look at Holiday. Bobby, could you trade Drew Holiday tomorrow? I think he, yeah.
2: I think you can. I think point guards are premium, especially point guards that you know that that are two way players. Um, I think if Drew Holiday was a center, I think that would be a little bit more. I think there's a challenge there, but I think. I think you know you know point guards were basically the quarterback of the team you know that's how we we treat them and you know when it's 31 33 35 38 those are the numbers there um I I I do believe you can that number could be traded if you know if he didn't have a trade restriction and Milwaukee made him available but the you know I look at contracts it's it especially extensions are so hard because you're basically trying to reward the player from the past and then hedge your bet as far as what the future is going to be reward him for the future here and we often see players get rewarded just for the past and not what you know their production level is going to stay you know at that same at that same level so that that is a challenge but yeah i i do believe even even though he's got 135 million guaranteed after this year that that contract would be movable if you know if they wanted to do that again
0: so, yeah, the second max contract is always, you know, it's dicey sometimes. Now, not for guys like LeBron or uh, Kevin Durant or what have you. Um, I've talked about this in the podcast before. There's a GM who uh, who calls the first max the fun max um, <laughs> because it's, you know, a smaller portion of the cap. Um, it, typically, the players are getting it when they're 23, 24. So you're getting them in their, you know, in their great portion of their careers. The second max, a lot of times, that's when the superstars are looking to move around a little bit. That's when maybe they're a little bit unsettled and a little bit more demanding. And now you're talking about guys who are maybe 29, uh, 30 zone, and um, they've had some injuries, and or even if they're 28, you're looking at the back end of that contract, and maybe paying the guy when he's 33, you're looking at maybe paying him you know, you know, 40 some million. The second Max, which is what this is for Drew Holiday, especially for a borderline All-Star player, is always a little bit fraught. Uh, not always, but a lot of times, a little bit fraught. Um, so, but here's what I want to know, guys: the 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 free agent market this summer has pretty much been been vanquished by by all the extensions that have gone that have come uh, this year, from LeBron to Paul George to Giannis and all the way down to Drew Holiday now. Um, But we are going to see a bit of a a point guard free agent market, Uh, specifically uh, Dennis Schroeder, Lonzo Ball, who will be restricted, uh, and Kyle Lowry. And this number for a point guard, um, I guess his guarantee average is 31 a year. I guess if he hits all the incentives, which I don't know if, if we should look at it that way, I guess it would be 40 million a year. But I think, it's better to look at the 31 million guaranteed a year. Um, and so this is, you know, one of the reasons why Dennis Schroeder has not signed the the four years, 84 million that the Lakers um, have offered in some form um, is because he's looking out there and seeing a guy like Drew Holiday, who is a better player, but not dramatically light night and day, like not in the same realm. And it's why Schroeder I'm sure is, is waiting Pelton and, and you know, Again, I think if you're the Lakers, it's not unlike the position that the Bucs were. It's not as extreme because you didn't trade all these picks for him. But if Dennis Schroeder walks on the the Lakers and says, I want to go play for the Raptors or I want to go play for the Knicks or the Heat, um, they don't have a functional way to replace him. And so his leverage is how difficult he is to replace. So to me, the biggest challenge for a guy like Schroeder and the same thing, you know, goes for uh, Lonzo is to find a contract that you can get him, but don't sign a contract where people like me are saying that's an untradable contract. So Pelton, how do you think this contract, maybe uh, this holiday contract affects that free agent market for some of those point cards?
1: Yeah, I definitely think that your conversation about shooter last week on the pod has to be understood in this context, where you do have this older group of point guards. And one person you didn't mention is Chris Paul, who's got that huge player option for twenty one, twenty two, but could be an interesting choice whether he wants to try to, you know, lock in long term at this point while he's still coming off playing at an all star level and this great impact that he's made on the Suns this year. So that's that's probably going to be worth discussing a little further, but. You know, outside of Paul and Lowry, are guys that those are not long-term solutions for you at point guard. And if you're talking about long-term solutions for you at point guard, it's going to be Shooter and Lonzo Ball. And that's where I think a couple of things come into play. Number one, how well Shooter plays in this year's playoffs is really going to go a long way in determining that market. And you know whether teams see him is an above-average starting point guard or just you know kind of a, a decent option at that position. And then, you know, I think the other thing is how willing are the Lakers to spend to bring him back, you know, even if they're not necessarily sold because of the question you asked is it's important for them to have matching salary. If you want to go out and try and make a trade like they tried to make with Kyle Lowry at the deadline and you don't have Dennis Schroeder in the mix, that's much more difficult. So it's got to be enough to keep him. But not so much that he becomes, you know, you have to give up value to get off him as matching salary in a trade like that. It's a tricky balance to strike. And, you know, especially because of that inability to replace him, our our former colleague John Hollinger now at the Athletic has termed it the bird rights trap because you almost feel trapped into re signing those players. And we saw it last offseason with the Lakers with Contavious Caldwell Pope and and maybe with the Clippers with Marcus Morris as well. And they were able to get uh, very nice deals, as I, I think you mentioned back then.
2: KP, don't remind me about the bird rights trap. You know who we can you know who we can name that after? Gerald Walls. Well, speaking of that, that was up. on your mind there. That's and true, you make, but you know, you make a trade for a player like that, and um, you know, you give. I mean, that's a little different because you give up a draft pick, and but you have, um, yeah, I mean, you, you're like you're handcuffed that you have to either you make a trade for a play or you have that player that you have. Your what are your options, right? What are your options if you lose him? then you are basically relying on some of your mid-level exception to go out and sign him. And do you have faith in your scouting department? Do you go, is there, you know, who else is, who else is out there? Um, that's when you get in, the, in that overpay
0: part. Of course, Bobby Weck, when you were with the Nets, you guys signed Chris Humphreys to, I believe it was $10 million contract with a specific belief that you could trade him. Um, which you did for in the Garnett-Paul uh, Pierce deal. So, you know, sometimes you do use the bird rights to your advantage. It's a matter of you had to sign them to a contract that was movable.
2: Yeah, and that, and we, and he knew when we signed him to that that he would probably be eventually be traded. (laughs) I mean, that was part of the deal that he was going to get the uh, before there was the JJ Reddick contract. It was a you know the one year balloon payment or two years, you know, two years twenty four million whatever. You know, it's a it's a big number that hopefully you can use in a deal. And I think that's where um, going back to where you want you need those contracts that are those. I call it the sweet spot contracts, you know, those 15 to $17 million players, maybe 18 to 20. Um, When the Celtics ran into that trouble for a while, when they had, um, you know, Hayward, Horford, um, you know, guys like that. And then there wasn't anybody kind of, I think Marcus Smart was really the only guy there um, who had like a, $12 Twelve million dollar contract. They didn't have any. They had, and then it all, they had all draft picks with uh, Tatum and Brown were on the rookie contract. You didn't have any of those thirteen to fourteen million dollar contracts. A great team is in Indiana. Indiana's got what like six guys that make between ten and you know ten and twenty million dollars. So, it's important to have those when you know when you need down the road to, to kind of move in a deal.
0: Com. sign up today claim based on total games carried on sports networks sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package if only starting your fitness journey was as easy as starting this podcast the truth is all the lift big get big and beach body ready in three weeks pressure stops most of us from even starting and starting is what matters most. It's everything. Wherever you're beginning and wherever you wanna be, Peloton encourages you to just start with thousands of classes to get you moving and doing what you can. Even if that's just a 10 minute low impact class, they have those too. And when you're ready, take it up a gear with a 30 minute live DJ ride. Start with Peloton and find instructors that will keep you motivated to stay on your fitness journey. Learn the basics and build from there. Remember, doing something is everything. Get started with a Peloton bike or Bike Plus rental at onepeloton.com slash bike slash rentals. Terms apply. So what did you think about Peloton's... Uh, it's the first time I've heard of it or thought about it, the concept that Chris Paul might... Oh, I,
2: I agree with Kevin. I think Ke- I think Chris Paul... Um, well, he's an over 38 guy, right? So you're, you know, you're kind of restricted as far as years length in the, in years. And I think, I think Chris Paul could look at, you know, taking this Phoenix team that's, you know, top three in the West. If they, if they go on a nice little run and they get to a second round or even a conference finals, let's say he'll hold that over, you know, Robert Sarver's head and said, Hey, I'll, I'm going to, I want to opt out and I want another, you know, you know, three, I want three years and, and, you know, you know, make maybe my number goes from 41 or to 33, but I have an extra 70 million guaranteed almost like with Hayward did in, in, um, in Boston going to to Charlotte. I think that's, I think that's certainly a, I think that's certainly a possibility to talk about based on how far this Phoenix team goes,
0: especially if he leads them to like, if they can somehow like find their way to the conference finals. I mean, the Suns haven't made the playoffs in 10 years. If he leads them to that, I mean, there would be pressure to retain him, um, so, interesting concept because you know the idea of Chris Paul opting out, you know, two three years ago on that you know the end of that deal was considered no way. That's why teams have traded him. They don't want to pay him. That you know that's why the 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 Rockets got rid of him. That's why the Thunder got rid of him. They were like we we don't want to pay him that kind of money for our teams. You know. The, the thunder were in a rebuild but um it, well that'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on okay um so with this podcast is coming out on tuesday you guys have a story have we done this story before because i don't remember it
1: um, yeah that's an annual tradition it, I, is. it, it was is one year i think uh, we we didn't do it that i couldn't find because I, I think going 2012 back
2: to right kp is that what it goes back to well, it, that's so how my, far back how it,
1: fried my brain is. I don't remember. <laughs> that's how far back I've been involved with it. I didn't go check whether there were there were ones. Tony, pre- let's cut that yet. out
0: where I did remember that this is an <laughs> annual tradition for a decade. Thank you very much. Um <laughs> uh, okay, so it's a top tw maybe I do remember, I'm just a fool. Top twenty-five players in the league ranked um under the age of twenty-five. So if you're twenty-five, you don't You can't do it. You got to be 24 or younger. Um, This is a particularly interesting group uh, this year because we have some pretty good young players in the league. And the way this worked is um, Pelton had a, had a vote. um, Bobby Marks had a vote and Mike Schmitz, uh, our draft analyst had a vote. Um, So it was not that big of a surprise uh, and the story you can see at ESPN.com, and I'm sure uh, it'll be on Twitter, um, either on Bobby or uh, Pelton's feeds. You can go look at. I don't think it's much of a surprise that um, that Luca was number one and Zion was number two. Um, I think in all three of your uh, rankings that you got, they were they ranked one, two. Um, where things get interesting is is onward. Um, Lamelo Ball came in number three. The <laughs> number three. Um, ranked player, uh, on the list for, 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 for most, uh, for best player, 2,525 ahead of guys like, um, Jason Tatum ahead of guys like Donovan Mitchell ahead of Ben Simmons, ahead of, uh, Devin Booker, ahead of Jalen Brown. Um, Pelton, you had him up there. You guys both had him up there. Um, you obviously think a lot of, of, uh, where Lamelo is.
1: Yeah, and the one thing we should make sure to put prominently at the front of this discussion is we're ranking these guys in terms of their future potential, not what they are right now. So, you know, obviously Lamelo Ball is not quite yet at that level of these guys who are already All Stars. But I I think there there was, as you mentioned, you know, Luca and Zion were pretty clear one and two, the same spots where they were last year, and those guys have. The clearest superstar potential. I mean, Luka Doncic already is at that level. Zion is getting there in a hurry, and then after that, there's this group that has been very good in the league at a young age. Definitely has the chance to get there. But I think when you know we, we talk about what's the best this player could be, there's a higher upside with Lamelo Ball than some of these other guys because of the fact that he's done what he's done so far as a rookie. At such a young age, I, and I don't know if you looked at that same that same way, Bobby.
2: I, I did. I mean, I think it's and it's it's challenging. This is this is always one of the hardest articles or rankings to do because you're you know it's almost like future power rankings. You're trying to project what you know what the future here here and um, KP and Mike had Lamelo number three overall. I had him. Um, I believe I had them eight on my um, yeah eight on my list and um which i thought was a was a good number
0: for, <laughs> for me too, kevin <laughs> me too. I, I mean like i'm I'm more with you bobby but i also don't analyze it like you guys other guys do but so. the
2: funny thing is you know i feel like we were and i i i sent an email internally because i had miles turner on there and kevin reminded me that miles turned turn 25 um I think like a week ago and I was like thank god because I wanted to give someone else a chance cuz we've had miles on there the last couple. It's it's a major challenge. I mean, I have guys like, you know, CD Bay on there, I you know, uh, Jared Allen made the cut. I didn't have him on my um, I don't think I had him on my top 25 here. Um but yeah, I mean, um LaMelo um, LaMelo is interesting just because, you know, it's it's a little both. It's a little bit of both what we've saw pre-injury. Um, and then as far as what, what the future, um, holds and he's got, he's got that star like power where some of the other players, like, um, I don't know, Jamal, we have Jamal Murray at 13, which is a solid number, but I think Jamal Murray is who Jamal Murray is. I don't know if he can take that another, another leap there than than kind of what he is right now.
0: Jamal Murray is a guy who pretty consistently not every night i mean consistency and health are are two challenges for him but jamal murray affects winning he 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 changes win games to win loss by the stuff that he does um and that's what is impressed me about Lamelo this year is lamello has shown at times that he can be the difference difference maker between winning and losing that is very rare for a rookie very rare even the guys who are absolutely the top of their games like you i've talked about this in the podcast before like lebron and kd they helped their teams win games as rookies but they were not the types of players that could take an average team and carry them into the playoffs at that point and maybe the hornets wouldn't have made the play now they're absolutely wrecked by injuries hayward is out for a month ball is out uh for the year um they just had another injury. Who else did they just lose? Oh, Malik Monk is out. Like, they're they're wrecked by injuries now, so we'll never know what they would have been. But um, I do feel like Lamelo contributes to winning, and that's not something you normally see from a rookie, especially a rookie point guard, Pelton.
1: Yeah, and to earn a starting spot behind uh, in front of a backcourt that had been very good for them last season in Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier. So, you know, he had to earn it in some ways and did prove that he could play at that level. And then, you know, Devontae Graham's injury helped clear some space for him in the starting five before his own injury. But, that's part of it is, I mean, I, I liked LaMelo Ball, I had him as the top prospect in this year's draft, but I figured this was going to be a long-term process with him, that they were right to bring him along slowly because of you know, the immense leap in level of competition from playing in the Australian NBL last year to playing in the NBA. And because of the fact, in large part because of the fact that his outside shooting has been more efficient than we expected Certainly knew he had the ability to knock down threes and stretch the court, but to do it consistently like he has has been a big driver in it. He's been ahead of expectations for me, and again, when you sort of just project out based on you know the company that he's keeping in terms of performance as a teenager, those are generally guys who end up you know all NBA players, MVP candidates, and you know that doesn't mean for sure that he's going to get there, but it's encouraging that he's in that group.
0: So Pelton, you. If I'm not mistaken, unless I'm misreading this, you did not have Anthony Edwards in your top 25?
1: I did not. I mean, I you know I, he's he's very promising in terms of you know you see him on the right night. He's already looks dominant with his combination of size, strength, quickness, and shooting ability. You see him on the wrong night. He can still shoot you the Timberwolves out of a game. And, you know, I think that there's still I need to see him do it in a slightly smaller role with slightly greater efficiency, which hopefully when D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are both healthy together, as they haven't been at basically any point this season or since that trade, it'll put him in that role and we can see that. But there's there's a few guys who have just kind of gone the wrong direction from that start. Not ever been able to improve their efficiency for me to quite get there with him as a top twenty-five guy yet.
0: And Bobby, you did not have Tyrese Halliburton. He, he looked like I he was didn't. twenty six He was like I, he was twenty-six. But, I know, and that's my favorite.
2: He, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> He's not going to be happy with me. I did not. I and I how I kind of went through the process was um, I kind of took a group of sixty, you know, sixty guys, and I basically I tiered them. Um, you know, like, you know, Luke and Zion were my, my tier ones. And I just kind of, it was a little bit of a process of elimination. And then when I got to my, I guess it was my tier five guys, you know, that's, that's the, that's basically the guys in that 22 to, you know, 25 range. And there were like, I think I had like nine guys that I could, you know, that I picked from or had the option of picking from in there. And he, originally he was not on my top 25 he made it in in at the last minute because um of the miles turner age discrepancy that kind of gave him that boost that he moved to uh, I think he moved to 25 and everybody moved up but um i did not and um you know it's 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 basically it's it's what it is it's just it's a hard it's a process as i say process elimination it's just it's hard if, it, if it's not him it's going to be somebody else that's going to get squeezed out it's going to be colin sexton or deontay murray or Keldon johnson or one of these i mean there are a lot of good 25 under 25 players here
0: so it's so uh, um Schmitz had him 22 and i think uh pelton you had him maybe 18 or something 19 uh 19 so it's interesting how you know Halliburton's draft thing is uh, it's 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 one of the most interesting things that's happened in the last year. How he slipped all the way to the back part of the lottery. Um, you know, I've watched some film on him, and he's a he. I, he has good size. He can play multiple positions. Plays both ends of the court. Does a lot of things well. Um, but I can see how some teams may have thought that his ceiling wasn't as high as some of the other guys in the draft ahead of him uh that doesn't mean that they're right because you obviously look at the impact that he has made not only that he's also appears to have terrific character and leadership skills and um potentially already showing good signs of community involvement in sacramento um but i gotta say i mean i like i do like i think one day it'll be like uh uh 30 for 30 what happened on tyrese halliburton's (laughs) draft night um but I can kind of see it Pelton because I like he is pretty close right now to, to 50, 40, 90. And those players are pretty damn hard to find. I think he's got a good chance of doing it early in his career. Um, But I can also see why he's a, he's a bit confounding for where to put in there because I don't know how much he can grow. And, and that's one of the
1: things that I think was, you know, as you mentioned, a knock on him in the draft process. And I think that, This is a conversation we had on Twitter the other day. I think people overstate sometimes how much we can define that potential that, you know, there's a lot of guys in the league. I mentioned Nikola Jokic, like who would have thought when Jokic was drafted, like, okay, yeah, he can be a a very nice reserve, maybe a low end starter, but his physical limitations are so great. He can never be a high end player. And now here he is, as the favorite for MVP. So I think we kind of overstate our ability to do that. And Halliburton what he's done so far this season has sort of been an example of that where even those of us who really liked Halliburton and I had him, you know, in the same tier on my draft board as Anthony Edwards, I would have taken him number 2 probably. I mean I would have traded down and taken him later, but I would have considered him the second best prospect. But that was based on okay, he'll be this awesome role player who, you know, contributes in all of these subtle ways what i didn't expect again you know same as with lamella where he's exceeded my expectations number one how well he shot the ball and and the volume he's been able to get up from three because that was always the concern it was kind of a slow release even though he made a high percentage yeah he does
0: he does have a slow release but yet at least in the film that i've watched he can get his shot off he can create his own shot um you know in isolation and you know when the ball gets kicked out to him he can get the shot off before the guy closes out he doesn't get to the line but he's you know he's getting it done at, yeah. at i think 42% as a rookie from 3 which is a really great number
1: it is i mean i looked up this up the other week because edwards is taking i think the third most three point attempts per game of any rookie in nba history and if you look at that group it's basically all the guys who shot in the the 30s a lot of them in the low 30s like Ad- edwards is and then, oh, hey, here's Halliburton, who's shooting 42%. So that's quite unusual. And then the other aspect where he's just dr- dr- to melt dramatically from college is he wasn't much of a pick and roll playmaker at Iowa State. You know, didn't run pick and roll at all as a freshman and still not very much as a sophomore, even though he was their go to guy. And now all of a sudden, he's, you know, I, I this is in the story. I think he's in the top quartile of all NBA pick and roll ball handlers in terms of. Uh, points per chance, according to the second spectrum tracking.
0: Well, I remember talking to Steve Kerr. So um, Halliburton is shooting five threes a game. So he's shooting 42% on five threes. He could be shooting more. I remember uh, Steve Kerr, you know, his senior year at Arizona, um, he shot 57% on three-pointers on that team that went to the the final four. I remember asking about it once, and I said – Steve, that is a number that's kind of lost history. I mean, it's one of the, you know, crazy, especially in that time. And he only, he, he took, he took five threes a game and he made three of them, basically three point something out of five point something. And I said, Steve, I got to, you know, I know this is modern day thinking, but if you're shooting 57% on threes, why were you only taking five of them a game? You know, even as a role player, that's, I mean, if I had a guy make 57%, I'm running a couple of more plays. And he said, I shot 57% because I took five threes a game. You know, if I'd have taken nine threes a game, I might've, you know, shot 39% or 42 1%, but, um, I think there's something to be said for that. But, but, um, but in watching, I, I just, I can understand why teams were conflicted on Halliburton, even though he is, you know, answered so many of the questions. Um, So this was a guy that had a very interesting ranking, very interesting. Michael Porter Jr., who's had a complex career, uh, obviously has had injuries, had two bouts with COVID. Um, There have been times where Mike Malone in Denver has literally just had to just stop playing him because he um, uh, just can't play defense, won't get it done, isn't in the right spot, isn't focused. But he has been playing spectacularly his best basketball since the – since the uh, the All-Star break, really. And then they just picked up Aaron Gordon and uh, they're looking like they could be pretty formidable here heading, heading toward these playoffs. Bobby ranked Michael Porter Jr. as the number three player under 25 years old in the NBA. Uh, Pelton, you and Schmitz both ranked him 18th. That is a quite a spread. Bobby, why are you so high? I mean, you ranked him ahead of, Everybody but Zion and Luca on this list.
2: Yeah, and I almost, I almost did a re rank because I, you know, Kevin and Mike made me like double, like, like second guess myself
0: <laughs> as far as when I saw when I,
2: I was the first to send it in, and then Kevin, I think Mike sent it in. Stick,
0: and stick to your guns. I, I, and I did, I did
2: not move off it. The only thing, only guy I added was Hal Burton, as I mentioned. But I just look at um, a little bit of what he did his sophomore year. There were stretches there, and the, the he's on a tear right now. I mean, you look at his last, um, you know, his, last, his numbers in his last ten games. I mean, fifty-seven percent from the field, fifty-fifty-four from three, twenty yeah. twenty points, eight rebounds. I mean, they're playing. I mean, I think they're twelve and three in their last four, fifteen games here. He started at the three. He's fifty-three percent um, from three, fifty-four percent. Excuse me, fifty-eight from the field, and he's averaging twenty and eight. And I mean, I just look at. The, there is so much untapped potential there if he stays healthy and of course we've you know knocked the defensive liabilities are well known here um the addition of Aaron Gordon certainly helps him um but um that that's I guess I drank the Kool Aid a little bit on, on Michael Porter Jr., but I just looked. I just put him. I, I you know. Hey, I, I mean, I maybe
0: maybe Pelton and Schmitz are behind. on this. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not. I'm serious. Like, like I, I will say this. Like, there, you know, a couple of months ago, I was having the conversation about, you know, he's extension eligible after this year because remember he missed his first year coming off the back surgeries, so he's extension eligible. And like, you know, he's if I were his agent, I'd be asking for the max. And I didn't know what Denver was going to do. Now, I think he's absolutely asking for the Max and Pelton. I think Denver's probably, you know, he keeps this up. You're probably not to, to do it. The fun Max might be headed Michael Porter <laughs> Jr.'s way, which is, you know, going to be a lot of money considering they've got Murray and Jokic on Max and they just inherited uh, Aaron Gordon's contract and probably want to keep him.
1: So I don't know if this one is going to be the fun, Max, because the reason I had him lower, I mean, obviously the defensive issues, I I think we're well past the point where Michael Malone is going to take him out of the lineup. He's not coming out at this point. He is is set there, you know, pencil him in. As long as he's healthy. And that's the other question, Mark, is always going to be the back and whether that's going to be a long-term issue for him. So you know, I think that the negotiations this might be comparable to, he's not this established as a player. But I think back to when Brandon Roy was extension eligible as, uh, I think at that point, a two-time All-Star with the Blazers, had won Rookie of the Year. And there was a report at some point that summer, I recall, that you know the blazers weren't offering him the full max and people in portland freaked out about it because he was beloved that I was mean,
0: that was the point of the report getting out there was that people would oh, freak yeah. out
1: <laughs> yes indeed it was pressure. i mean he, you got to remember, this was coming off the the Jail era, and you know the the team had gone through a dark period in, in terms of both, you know, obviously the off court stuff at that point, but then the on court results. And then Roy was along with Lamarcus Aldridge and Greg Oden the one leading them back out of this. And you know they eventually gave him. I think I don't think there was any sort of injury protection in the extension there they gave w- there him. There
0: was some protection, but he got the the lion's share of it guaranteed. Yeah and uh and, they ended up they ended up he ended up not being able to play his way through it he ended up i mean the beat-
1: very first season of the extension is, yeah. is when he broke down physically and they yeah. amnestied him after that first season so the yeah. amnesty gave them the ability to get out of that in terms of the cap hit but that's that's going to be the tricky balance is how do you you know is it similar to kind of the Joel Embiid extension that you know Bobby broke down i remember when it first got signed in terms of you know the way that philadelphia tried to protect themselves but also You know, recognized that Embiid, when healthy, was a max player. So maybe that's kind of a template for Porter.
2: That extension took them. I remember talking, um, you know, to people in Philly when they were when that got done. That took them three months to do (laughs) that extension. It was probably the most complex um, protections. You said Philly, you meant Portland. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. When I was talking about Embiid, Embiid, Embiid. I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) The Embiid extension in um, in Philly, the max that he had so much language on there where. It basically, I think the first first year was guaranteed, and just had rollovers on back and knee, and you know everything else in there, Um, minutes clause in there. But yeah, I could see, I could definitely see Denver um, doing something similar and protecting themselves if it's if it's the back, which has been well known. Because remember um, that Jokic eventually, that you know Supermax is going to be coming down the. Down down the pike here in a, in a few years when he um, when he'll be able to sign that and you've got uh, you've got Murray you've got Porter Gordon who's extension eligible this uh, offseason. Eventually you get penalized for drafting well, and that's probably what's going to happen in Denver.
0: For the ones who get it done, Ranger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click ranger.com or just stop by. Yeah, so um another guy you guys interesting to me on here. Um where did, where did he end up at? Hold on, look at the final ranking. I think you guys all had him in the same spot. Um Trey Young ended up 16th um in this ranking behind Michael Porter, behind Jamal Murray, behind Brandon Ingram, behind Shaggy Dos Alexander, behind behind uh Simmons and Booker, behind De'Aaron Fox. De'Aaron Fox actually Ranked pretty high on here, ranked sixth ahead of uh, Sibbins and Booker, which maybe we'll talk about in a minute. Um, Trey Young, all you guys ranked him in the mid-teens. Um, Trey Young is extension eligible this summer as well, um, and I assume his agent, who is um, he's with Clutch, um, I assume they will be asking for the Max. Um, and considering the way they've built the Hawks kind of around his talents, uh, I don't think there's going to be much of an option there. But I think this ranking reflects some way the league feels about him. He's a spectacular player um, who is, a, you know, excellent, excellent shooter at times. But he has games where he, you know, he's off and doesn't contribute. And then he's a liability on defense, which gets the Hawks eaten alive all the time. Um, and this, you know, kind of reflects that, you know, if you if your franchise player is not in this top. 10 or 12 you know should he be your franchise player if he's under 25 um uh, i fully expect him to get the max from the hawks but i do think that there is some dispute out there as to as to where he really truly ranks as a as a contributing player also he's at times grates on his teammates a little bit by the way he plays there was a report earlier this year about how he and jason collins were a little bit at odds I, i think they've um, I say Jason Collins. I meant John Collins. Um, we're a little bit at odds, but um, I think they've gotten past that for now. But uh, Bobby Trey Young to me is a very conf- not confounding, but he's a he could go either way at this point. He could he could vault his way and become a huge difference making player, or he could just kind of be one of those guys where he. He helps you, but he doesn't really contribute to you being a, a contender.
2: Yeah, I mean, and for comparison's sake, we had Trey Young last year at number eight. Um, so that's a that's a big drop going out of the top ten. To um, and they're a
0: much better team. It's not like they've gone in the tank. Yeah,
2: and they are a much better team. I think I think I look at Trey in the fact that he impacts winning when his ability to get to the free throw line. Um, and there are a lot of games I mean I'll give you you know the Denver game um from last week where you know he got to the you know he gets to the line two times three times there are some when he's getting to the line twelve or thirteen times and how much does he you know i mean the stats look great um, but how much does he actually impact winning and do players like to play with him that that's that's kind of how I look at um you know you know as a guy that's probably i, I mean Maybe there's more to to what we're going to see from Trey Young, but it's kind of like what he's come in and, you know, what he's come into the league as is kind of where he's still at.
1: I mean, I would say, you know, I think it's really that, that defensive limitation for me that is a big factor here, because if you compare him to some of these other guards on the list, you know, I... He's ahead of them without question offensively. And I think is likely to stay better than them offensively. But, you know, especially if you're trying to win at the highest levels, somebody who you know you have to figure out the matchups at all times it's going to make it very difficult for Atlanta to play a switching heavy defense at any point in the playoffs that sort of limits your options i mean that's just become you know a default option for a lot of teams in the playoffs and that's always going to be a challenge for him so you know this is this has been the eternal question about Trey Young since he came in came into the draft i i remember writing the week of the draft about how I thought he was kind of being undervalued a little bit as an offensive prospect for him to, you know, be what he was doing as a scorer and playmaker at Oklahoma at such a young age, because typically the guys who have become that in the NBA didn't become that until well into their career. They weren't doing it at age 19 and is freshman in college. But that, you know, I I still wasn't sure how high to get him because of that defensive challenge. And we're still in that point. So if you compare him to, you know, the Foxes and the Morants, those guys aren't going to have that same limitation physically, defensively, uh, you know, that that is always going to be an issue for them.
0: So you max him though, right?
2: Yeah. He'll be like Darren. He'll probably be like Darren Fox, right? I mean, like how Sacramento dealt with that and you probably just plop a max offer on August 1st and you kind of just go from there and and then – and then, you know, then we get to scrutinize when he's in year two <laughs> as far as where he is. And, and that's how it usually goes. But where is your wiggle room, right? Like, you know, like he's probably looking at all these other guys getting these, you know, the Foxes and the Mitchells and that group. Um, and is probably thinking, well, I'm a, I am a, you know, I am a Max-like player.
0: Yeah, I will say that there's a guy that who, whose opinion I really respect who, when Harden was on the block, said to me, you know, Atlanta should offer Trey Young for Harden. Obviously, it wouldn't have just been that; couldn't have done that trade. There would obviously have been more in there. Um, and you know, uh, you think, well, wait a minute, one guy is really young. He got a, you know, he's got a decade with the franchise. But I, I do think there's some concern out there about what kind of a difference-making player he can be. Now, you guys mentioned Fox, so De'Aaron Fox ranks sixth on your list. All of you guys ranked him either sixth or seventh. Um, and again, finished ahead of Ben Simmons, ahead of Devin Booker, ahead of Shea Gilgis Alexander, ahead of Jamal Murray, ahead of Ja Morant, ahead of Trey Young. You guys had him in front of all of these lead guards. He's the um, he's really the third. You know, the, the, the by the way, I'll go through the the top. Luca one, Zion two, Lamelo three, Donovan Mitchell four, Jason Tatum five. De'Aaron Fox, 6. Ben Simmons, 7. Devin Booker, 8. Bam Adebayo, 9. Shea. Kiddos Alexander, 10. So you had him in front of all of those guards. Um, now, the guy has just spectacular speed with the ball. He has proven to be an excellent player in the clutch. Um, uh, why are you got you know, Pelton, why so high on De'Aaron Fox? Are you comfortable with him being ahead of these other guys at this point.
1: Yeah. I mean, I put him there, so I guess I, guess I must be. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> and none of these differences
1: are dramatic. These are guys in similar tiers, which is what makes it so. No, you're, no, no No, These
0: How are these rankings work? Everybody you put below him sucks.
1: <laughs> so a stat I just looked up, I was actually looking this up for the Michael Porter conversation, is uh, my wins above replacement player metric for the month of March. Michael Porter Jr. is fifth in that group. And Darren Fox is 10th. He seems to kind of be taking the jump right now. And he's also the kind of player, his skill set, you know, the, the speed he has, but not being a great outside shooter, those kind of players tend to develop later. And that's also part of my thinking of why he's so high on this list, that I think he's still got another couple levels to go, even from where he is right now.
2: Yeah. I mean, I look at him, I mean, he's kind of where he's, where he is coming in his rookie year to where he is now, I mean, he's, he's plus 13 in the points. And I think that number is going to probably, I mean, we might be talking about him, you know, 28 to 29, um, you know, a, a year from now. Um, I know that he'll probably be put in that category if this Sacramento team does not get into it, at least, you know, the playing. Um, he'll probably be talked about like guys like Booker and Levine were from a couple years ago um you know kind of an empty stat type guy but um i looked at him kind of he, he got a little bit of both he got kind of the now and what the future is going to hold and that's why i put him up there in that top you know that top 6
0: so paul you had some uh you had some honorable mention guys you wanted to uh acknowledge well to... I, yeah
1: actually i wanted to specifically point out that there was a couple guys that neither that none of the three of us put on our list that i thought were interesting okay one of them we we talked about edwards earlier None of us had J- James Wiseman on our top 25.
2: Mm. And I true. said that, you know, it's funny with that, Kevin, is that, and I said it to um, Nick Ferdell over the weekend because, you know, Nick, of course, covers the Warriors and, you know, Wiseman's been struggling. I, I said, like, I almost want to wave the white flag on a lot of, on this rookie class here just based on everything they've gone through. Yeah. And I know LaMel had, had played at a good level and we talked about Hal Burton already, but I mean, like, they're basically like swimming in a deep end right now without a life preserver. Uh, I think Wiseman's head is spinning. Uh, I think it's the game is almost too fast for him right now. And uh, without, you know, summer league and training camp and, you know, mini camp and everything in between. Um, I, I, I've, you know, I want to give these, these kids the benefit of the You know, I want to give them a break this year.
0: I love Wiseman's skill set, and I recognize the same thing. I, I was saying that at the outset. In fact, one of the reasons why I'm so impressed with LaMelo and why I'm going to vote for him for Rookie of the Year, no matter how many games he played, is because how impressive he was despite all of that. I had low expectations. Pelton, who else? Or what well, what'd you think about Wiseman and who else? Yeah, I mean, I've,
1: I've never been a huge Wiseman believer, partially because, you know, I think it's difficult to take centers that high in the draft unless you're very confident that they can be a source of shot creation on offense, which is what maybe separates him from Evan Mobley in this year's draft, who I think is a, a more legitimate candidate at that position. So I, but I was surprised that that neither Mike nor Bobby had him. And the other guy who didn't come up and I was surprised didn't yes, come up yes. at all was Tyler Hero after last year's nope, playoffs.
2: Neither. He wasn't
0: on anybody's list. No. Yeah. He's just you know he's had a, he's had an injury riddled covid riddled low efficiency year and he set the you know he's a guy of expectations he set the expectations so high with the way he played in the bubble even though his numbers are still pretty good uh his three point shooting has collapsed but i don't know if that's the if it if you define him as that is is yet but um his numbers are still pretty good i think you know there's still a lot there but um uh, that is an interesting. Let me ask you this, uh, Pelton. Bobby, I don't know how much uh, college basketball you watch. I don't watch much at all, but I have been watching some of the tournament. And we're recording this before the championship game. So where does, where does Jalen Suggs and Cade Cunningham, if they were included on this list, would they have a shot at cracking the top 25 at this point, or would you, would you wait? Because I think Jalen Sugg's a pretty damn special player. I haven't seen enough to be able to make any sort of uh, pronouncements. I would never compare myself to anybody who makes this their profession. I don't, but he looks pretty damn special to me.
1: I've got the receipts on how much I've loved Suggs' game all season. Like, you know, I can remember watching their opening game on Thanksgiving Day and just being blown away because I'd heard a little bit about him, but because there wasn't the typical prospect, you know, McDonald's games or IC players right. at the Hoop Summit in Portland. Like, I'd never seen any of these freshmen play, so it was a real eye-opening experience. I, I, I think both of them would probably be towards the tail end of the top twenty-five for me, and, and only the tail end because there's so much more uncertainty about guys how they're going <laughs> to. Before you see them oh, yeah. in the NBA, but yeah, I haven't you know, even seen
0: I, other than a couple of dunk highlights. I haven't seen Jalen Green play at all with the G League Ignite. So what do I know? Um, but uh,
2: I, I would have had I would have had Jalen Suggs. I had a Colin, a Colin Sexton. I would have put him. I would have put them in there. I, I, yeah. We should have had KP, We should have had Austin do that. Our editor, we should have added that little wrinkle in there. And you said <laughs> you got two wild cards and they could be college players <laughs> or, you know, or guys who were in the G league. We can add them to this list.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, he just, he competes so hard defensively and it's, it's not something you see from young players that often. So, uh, all right. Well, thanks guys for, uh, for your, uh, insight into this, uh, check out that list on ESPN.com. Thanks, uh, to tony our producer thanks for listening we'll talk to you uh later this week